Welcome to the Oracle Podcast, a podcast for wild feminine wisdom channeled from the deep. I'm your host, Miriam Ropschitz, founder of Moonbody. I'm a guide for women sharing earth and body-based feminine wisdom. The Oracle brings you podcasts on the women's mysteries, embodiment, spirituality, and more. My prayer is that these conversations with my coven enrich, ignite, and inspire you along the feminine spiritual path for a life rich in magic, pleasure, and truth. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode 13 of the Oracle Podcast. This is Miriam, and welcome. We're going to speak about a lot of interesting things today. We're going to speak about the nervous system. We're going to speak about the fawn response. We're going to speak a lot about the wolf as this symbol of the feminine. Lots of beautiful things to get into today in this episode, fawn to fang. Now, from fawn to fang to fan my neighbor, because I don't know if you noticed, but we have a beautiful new intro. I made the last intro um, by myself quite clearly when I decided I get these creative impulses. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do it now. But, you know, I'm a big proponent of the idea that not everything has to be super shiny and polished when we are creative. And the Oracle podcast, considering this is episode 13, has had a lot of listeners and has traveled far and wide. I want to thank you for listening. I receive so many loving messages from women who are listening to the podcast. And I always mention this because I really love it. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to them while I'm cooking, while I'm cleaning, while I'm in the bath, while I'm in the shower, while I'm doing my guasa in the morning or, you know, some kind of beauty rituals. And to think that my voice is accompanying you through your own version of that is, it's a real honor. It's a real honor. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. And before the episode continues, I just wanted to speak a little bit about the beautiful music in this intro, because it is the co-creation of my neighbor and my very good friend, Fan. And Actually, let's give Fan a ring because she can tell you about Earth Echo Collective, who are the artists who made this beautiful track and made many other beautiful tracks. I really recommend that you listen to this track in its entirety because it is gorgeous. Um, As Fan will tell you, hopefully herself, it's the kind of track you listen to as a sound healing to go on a journey because these tracks are really, really special. Um, Let's give her a ring, actually, and she can tell you about Earth Echo herself. Hey, love. Hi, fan. I'm recording. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Earth Echo because this podcast that I'm putting out 
I'm using the new intro with your track. Could you say a little bit about what Earth Echo is about and just give the listeners some background, please? Sure. Thank you so much for including Earth Echo as part of your podcast series today. We're really thrilled to be sharing our content with your audience. Earth Echo is an ecological sound harmony project. And what we do is we amplify nature's resonance, creating immersive 360 mind and body audio experiences. And how we do this is using advanced audio techniques like spatial audio and binaural technology. And what we do is we source rich wildlife sounds from remote habitats around the world and combine them with ancient sound healing techniques. So what we get is this 3D immersive audio experience that transports us into wild nature where we can reimagine Earth through our senses. And basically, it exposes us to all the um, weird and wonderful bioacoustic patterns offered by wildlife. So it might be bird songs, it might be crows, for example, that you um, featured in your intro. And you can literally feel the elements move around you in this 3D space. So it gives the impression of... Uh, uh, a real environment so it takes you into this natural space and you can literally feel the sounds move around you and because we're using these ancient sound healing techniques it helps to entrain our brain waves and calm our nervous system and by doing this we're also entering into this meditative space that allows us to access many hidden worlds that can give us insights and visions and inspirations for our lives. So that's Earth Echo in a nutshell. Like I mentioned, we're an ecological sound harmony project. So every listen contributes back to the wildlife that are featured in our immersive tracks. So for example, our latest Amazonian jungle experience um, has field recordings from the Amazonias and it also features a shaman chanting his tacky song, which is a magic song. And he has a foundation called the Kurunkindi Corsay Foundation. And that foundation is working to protect and restore the lands of Amazonia, as well as the indigenous tribes that reside there. So there's many reasons for us to listen to these audio journeys. They are not only good for our uh, mental and physical well-being, but they also give back to the lands where they came from. So if you'd like to find out more about our work, you can visit our website at www.earth-echo.com or follow us on Instagram at Earth Echo Collective where we have tools and tips for sound health as well as all the latest updates for our releases. And that's it. Thank you so much, Miriam. So overjoyed to be here uh, with you today and wishing you all the best. Uh, much love.
Welcome to episode 13. We love 13, don't we? Our spiritual women. <laughs> this is called Fawn to Fang for a reason. And this is a very spontaneous episode, but I was going over Sister Wolf, um, which is taking right now its third group. It's enrolling. So bear this in mind as you listen to this episode. And if you're not sure what Sister Wolf is, this is a three-month feminine leadership mother mind. So <laughs> what is that? It's not a mastermind. It's a mother mind. It is a space, a very high-touch space for women who either have businesses or are just starting out in business or want to start out in business to learn how to create beautiful, solid foundations for their soul-led work, to get really deeply in touch with their truth, with their body, and to put these really strong roots down this foundation of integrity and regulation that can underpin their work. This is a third round, as I mentioned, and it's really beautiful what happens with these offerings. You know, I led group one, the first ever Sister Wolf, in the winter of 2022. And it was so refreshing. I mean, I don't know anything out there that is like Sister Wolf in how raw and real it is. We work a lot with sisterhood. So it's aimed at women who work with women. And those of you who work with women know that inevitably, when we have an all-female audience and all-female clients, sister wounds will emerge. And it's really important that we have tools and ways and experience of dealing with the sister wound, especially when it arises in our work. And something else that we work with is feminine leadership. And we learn how to step away from the more dominating paradigm of leadership. What Rianne Eisler, author of Chalice and the Blade has coined dominator consciousness, this power over model that seeks to rule uh, through subjugation rather than intimacy and respect. And for those of us who are holding transformational spaces for women, the last thing most women want after having, you know, gone through the school system and maybe worked in companies or offices where the the dominator paradigm is the default. The last thing they want to do is to come into your space and feel like they are at school again. That is not how we enact deep changes or how we hold powerful, loving spaces where deep change can really occur. So these are some of the, the key aspects of Sister Wolf. It's three months long. It starts February 6th and... If you are looking for a course that is going to deepen you into your magic, into your body, into your expression and your truth in a group that is well held, uh, in a group that is shadow literate, sister shadow literate especially, then this might be something that you're interested in joining me for. I will put links to Sister Wolf in the notes. So I want you to imagine a wolf. Many of us will have encountered 
the special relationship between women and wolves through Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Women Who Run With The Wolves, which is part of the feminine wisdom canon for good reason. In fact, I want to read something from Women Who Run With The Wolves. This is one of my favourite passages, I guess. It's a passage. It's kind of a page. It's a bit long. Let's see. I have it somewhere here. So this is from chapter two, Stalking the Intruder. All creatures must learn that there exist predators. Without this knowing, a woman will be unable to negotiate safely within her own forest without being devoured. To understand the predator is to become a mature animal who is not vulnerable out of naivete, inexperience or foolishness. All women must acknowledge that both within and without there is a force which will act in opposition to the instincts of the natural self and that that malignant force is what it is. Though we might have mercy upon it, our first actions must be to recognize it, to protect ourselves from its devastations and ultimately to deprive it of its murderous energy. To restrain the natural predator of the psyche, it is necessary for women to remain in possession of all their instinctual powers. Some of these are insight, intuition, endurance, tenacious loving, keen sensing, far vision, acute hearing, singing over the dead, intuitive healing, and tending to their own creative fires. Instead of reviling the predator of the psyche or running away from it, we dismember it. We accomplish this by not allowing ourselves divisive thoughts about our soul life and our worth in particular. We capture invidious thoughts before they become large enough to do any harm and we dismantle them. Practice listening to your intuition, your inner voice. Ask questions, be curious, see what you see, hear what you hear, and then act upon what you know to be true. Developing a relationship with the worldish nature is an essential part of women's individuation. In order to accomplish this, a woman must go into the dark, but at the same time, she must not be irreparably trapped, captured or killed on her way there or back. So why I find this, first of all, just so validating and so refreshing and also so important for women is because I've been doing the work I do through Moonbody for 10 years. And in that time, I have witnessed very up close polarity culture and feminine submission culture and a lot of boss babe marketing that teaches women to kind of defang themselves in order to get what they want. The idea is that the more soft and the more surrendered and the more pliable they are, the more they are going to get the man and get the bag. And what's really interesting about this is very often people put me in that category because I speak about yin cultivation and ease and pleasure um, people assume that maybe I am saying similar things to these teachings that I have some problems with. And I have problems with those teachings. You know, I'm not a fan of being a judgy bitch or being, you know, looking around at what everyone else is doing and, and uh, 
just only having critique. For me, that's a sign of somebody who, whose life isn't interesting and full enough. Why I have been speaking out about polarity teachings for so long is because I've seen up close when they are used to abuse and traumatize women, just how damaging it is and how they can play into a lot of the the ways in which our culture has also made women deliberately spineless or encouraged them to not protect themselves. And this is why I want to speak about the fawn response today. Going back to that image of the wolf, close your eyes for a second and just picture yourself in a forest and picture in front of you a wolf. I'm curious what kind of wolf you chose. Is it a grey wolf or a white wolf or a black wolf or any other colour? What do you feel emanating from this wolf? Do you feel fear? Do you feel your adrenaline and cortisol rising? Do you feel curiosity? Do you feel awe at this magnificent beast that is probably quite large in its beautiful thick furry pelt? What do you feel? Reflect on that for a moment. And then when you're ready, come back. So wolves are predators. They have very sharp teeth. Um, you know, unfortunately, if we were out walking in the woods and we did meet a wolf, there is a possibility that we would get our throats bitten, you know. I always like to, uh, there's that meme that says, <laughs> my toxic trait is that I'm delusional enough to think that predator animals would see me as a, a friend. I love dogs, so I, I often imagine being good friends with wolves. Wolves and women. That is an ancient love story. And I believe the reason why women love wolves is because we admire their ferocity, their fierceness, their brutality, their potential brutality. And at the same time, we understand that they are deeply loyal pack animals. They are very affectionate with their wolf kin. They look after the young and the elderly in the pack. And very often the alpha of the pack will escort sick or elderly or young cubs or wolves to protect them. So there's this fierce loyalty as well as this, you know, dangerous ferocity. And I think that we can learn a lot from wolves and 
I really like to invoke the wolf as an inspiration for the women I work with. This is why I called this program Sister Wolf. There is something about many of us women that has made us get very comfortable in the fawn response. So if you're not sure what that is, let me tell you a little bit more about it. So most of us will be aware of the two um, oldest trauma responses. And these were coined by um, an American physiologist called Walter Cannon. And he wrote a book on this in 1915. And he identified flight or fight as the two key trauma responses. So these are pretty self-explanatory, but in case anyone isn't aware, the idea is that when faced with some kind of existential threat, we would either flee, as in flight, you know, run away, um, get as far away as we can from this, uh, this thing that is threatening our life, or we would fight. And there are situations where you know, one of these will be more appropriate than the other. And then later, uh, psychotherapists and physiologists built onto Walter Cannon's trauma responses and added two more. Or, although some people uh, work with a slightly different model where there are five, but I'm going to speak about flight or fight and then freeze and fawn. Sometimes um, added in there is flop and friend, but we're going to talk about flight, fight, freeze, and fawn, specifically fawn, and specifically fawning in relation to women. So as I mentioned, there are instances where these trauma responses are wise. You know, imagine there was um, a predator, an animal, uh, like the wolf, and if he was hungry, and you're being chased, you would probably run from the wolf. Um, maybe you would fight it if you had some kind of weapon or big stick. But then there are situations where it would be unwise to fight. So imagine that you were being cornered by somebody a lot, lot, lot bigger than you. It would probably make sense to flee rather than to fight. So what happens in the body is there are many different physiological responses and chain reactions going on in the brain, in the adrenals, even in the skin. But there are situations where we can use an inappropriate response. And I see this a lot when it comes to fawning. So in a situation where we have been challenged and we are not in danger, but because we have been challenged for some reason, for maybe something that happened in childhood, some kind of trauma, some kind of pattern within us, physiologically and neurologically, we respond with fawning. And this is really common in people who have had difficult childhoods, who have grown up with caregivers who they didn't feel safe around, or just people who they didn't feel safe around. But they were taught as little people 
that the safest way to respond when a caregiver is angry or in a bad mood or withdrawn, whatever it is, would be to placate them. And this is a maladaptive strategy when we bring it out into our daily lives. So what is interesting about this is looking at these dynamics when they appear in our businesses, in our work. And if, like me, you are somebody who does a lot of your work in the online space, we can see how the fawn response is working in real time. One of the things that I see a lot and have received myself is people coming to my beautiful little Moonbody Instagram temple, you know, where I put a lot of love and effort into creating beauty, creating educational content. And somebody has come to take a shit on the rug, you know. Somebody has come and they, for whatever reason, don't like something. And they leave, you know, a spiteful, rude comment. In situations like that, it's very easy for me to, you know, and after several years of having an online space, now my response is happy people, you know, people who are well and fulfilled, they don't go around looking on the internet to make trouble where there, there is no trouble. So for me, it's always a sign that they're not in a good place and that's none of my business. So I will block them. And then there's something else that can happen where somebody comes to your space and they feel that you have done something wrong. So this happened to me in a, in a situation that I always remember because for me, it says so much about a lot of the um, misinformation and lack of education uh, among those who would consider themselves social justice warriors. And this happened, I think it was in 2022, where I had written a very in-depth post about the conditions in medieval Europe that led to the witch hunts. And I'd gone into a lot of detail and, you know, we can't go into, there's a limit to how much detail we can go into, isn't there, when, we, uh, when we're posting on Instagram. But I'm tend to do quite a lot of research and put out a fair bit of educational content that, you know, I have read many books and many different sources to come to that conclusion. Somebody commented on it and it was a young woman and she was really angry because I hadn't mentioned the enslavement of black people. And this is a post about medieval Europe and about the witch hunts. So enslavement and the slave trade absolutely have a very uh, connected part to this history. And it's my understanding, and I've reached that understanding through a lot of reading from experts and researchers, that the, the witch hunts of medieval Europe and the way that they dehumanize people and the way that they split people off from their bodies created the exact conditions for the slave trade to really thrive. However, I didn't have space in this post. And actually, 
that is something that happened later on. And another thing is that I get to choose what I write about and what I don't. Now, if it had been that um, enslavement had happened and been a really key historical moment in the period I was speaking about and I just neglected to mention it, then, you know, somebody pointing out like, oh, maybe you should speak about this, I would welcome that. But when it is somebody who is angry because you haven't spoken about something that they are interested in and she was and i'm sure many people who have had who have online businesses or who post online have had this experience where certain um political and social movements they give some people a sense of entitlement that they can go around and police people and so the way that she was speaking to me she was attempting to dominate me and to make me acquiesce submit she was expecting me to respond and say i'm so sorry let me sort that out let me do that for you this is somebody i don't know at all you know if this was a friend or a client or somebody who just wanted to have a conversation and say hey would you write about this or what do you think about this i would be so open i i love to have conversations like that between two adults who are speaking for the sake of communicating and getting to know each other but this was her trying to tell me off and tell me that i had done something wrong because i am a white passing woman and in these cases and i've seen many of these similar instances to this in online spaces and very often the person who is the victim of this social justice warrior will fawn and fold and let me be clear when i'm saying fawn and fold kindness is an appropriate response uh maturity uh being reasonable uh being curious those are all um non-fawning responses but what very often happens in scenarios like these is the woman on the receiving end she feels in danger and even though she recognizes with to quote Clarissa Pinkolester her wildish senses those little you know that wolfish nose and ears pricking up feeling mm something's a little bit off here very often we will disregard our instincts and acquiesce and say i'm so sorry and this is a really bad habit to get into especially as somebody who is a business owner a creator a leader you cannot be a leader and be somebody who is perpetually fawning to people and i want to give you a little tip before you spend money um investing money in people's courses and offerings and whatever it is see what kind of leader they are see what they do when they are challenged and let's look at the other side of this as well 
because there is a healthy fight response that is really necessary when you are a leader. Even in feminine leadership, which is what we teach in Sister Wolf, you need to have a healthy fight response. So a healthy fight response, in this instance, I uh, took the piss. So I would call that a, a play response. So a form of fight can be in a kind of cheeky, mischievous, challenging, playful response. So it's not aggressive, there's no violence there, but it's also making it very clear that you are wrong, um, you are misinformed, and you are, on this topic, very uneducated. <laughs> so I will not bend over, I will, and you're on my page, you're in my house. I haven't done anything wrong. So go fuck yourself. And I would love to see more people doing this. And you don't have to be rude like I am. You don't have to use curse words if you're not that kind of woman. I would love to see more women playing with a healthy fight response. Because this healthy fight response, it translates to other important areas of our life. It is a sign of a healthy nervous system. It is a sign of resilience. It is a sign of strength. The other side to this is an unhealthy fight response where somebody challenges you. Maybe it's a, a fair enough challenge, a good faith challenge. And the fight response comes in where it's not needed. That is often the way of the bully. Um the way of the cult leader, who will feel that somebody has dared to challenge my magnificent ego. So I'm going to, I'm going to decimate them, destroy them. That is scary shit. And that is not a healthy fight response. So, you know, getting your fight response into an appropriate level is a real art form. Here's an example that many women listening will understand because you will have been in this experience. As women, at some point in our life, often multiple times, we will have been somewhere and a creepy man will have entered our space and our wildish senses prick up. Uh-oh, predator. And, you know, if, if it's in a bar and we're with friends, it's very, and somebody is hassling us and we're surrounded by people, it's usually quite easy to tell somebody like, no, thank you, not interested, please leave me alone. However, if you're on your own somewhere, maybe you're in the middle of nowhere. Maybe you've gone out to walk the dog and suddenly a man appears. This has happened to me before. <laughs> There's no one around to hear you scream. And... This person is, you know, invading your space and they want to connect and they want to chat and they seem like something is off. What would the appropriate trauma response be here? When they haven't done anything, they haven't touched you, they haven't said anything particularly, you know, worrying, but your instinct, your gut is saying, I don't want to be here and I'm not sure that this is safe. In those instances, maybe the fawn response is appropriate. Maybe you don't want to challenge this strange person while you're by yourself. 
and you might be nice and like try and get away as quickly as you can. I would consider that to be an appropriate use of the fawn response because you sense that there was an existential threat and the fawn response is an adaptive survival response. And one of the ways that it will be more deeply ingrained into certain people is those of us who have experienced trauma or complex trauma and where we have, and I mentioned this for those of us who grew up in, you know, challenging childhood environments, where we learned that appeasing the abusive person was the easiest route to some kind of harmony. But where does this maladaptive fawning response show up in your life? It can show up in relationships with friends. You know, maybe you're just really easygoing. That's what you tell yourself. You're just really easygoing and you don't mind if you go here or you eat that or you do this. You're just going with the flow. But sometimes this is a fawning response. In order to hold a business, a successful business or a company, we want to be really clear about anywhere that the fawn response is slipping into our interactions. In a world of cancel culture, I know many women who are petrified that somebody is going to turn on them. Somebody is going to reveal them, even though they haven't done anything wrong, but somebody is going to say something publicly about them and destroy their reputation or, you know, just bring them into some online arduous cancellation. And so they fawn to people that they've had issues with where that person was in the wrong because they don't want to make a fuss. We can't live like this and we cannot be leaders. I've said this before, we cannot be leaders. And a lot of this comes down to the nervous system. When we make our nervous system, when we are more robust and regulated and resilient, we create this foundation, this wellspring of inner strength. And that means that when things go wrong, and they do, it's not going to knock us completely sideways. It means that we can draw on our resources and we're not just going to acquiesce. We're not going to fawn. We're going to bring a healthy fight response, healthy fight response. So I suggested that you, before you invest with people, that you have a little look at the way that they fawn. Have a look at the way that they fight. I haven't always responded perfectly to annoying people online. There are several posts where you can see me being rude to people and taking the piss. And, you know, I look back and... Sometimes I'll be looking at something and I'll see something I said. And I could delete it, but I'd rather leave it there. Because I'm really proud to have come this far with my trauma responses. Because I'm somebody who was a big fauna, a big people pleaser, and very codependent, and a very good girl growing up. This is how I was raised. 
to be at a level of resilience where I can spot when somebody is being either just being an asshole or bringing some kind of really bad faith debate to me. And that is a very passive aggressive thing that people do online where they want to engage you in a debate. But you should never engage in bad faith debates because it is always rigged against you. It's it's using, and I can't remember who said this, but it's a great quote. It's using language not to communicate, but to manipulate. So be aware of that. Going forwards, I would love for you to take away from this episode a couple of things, a couple of suggestions First of all, I want to make it really clear that if you are somebody who is fawning when you don't need to be fawning, the awareness of that is going to be powerful by itself. Certainly feeling ashamed or judging yourself is not going to be supportive. So please give yourself the grace not to do that. And I also want to acknowledge that if anyone listening is experiencing complex trauma, Fawning has been there as a a very important defense mechanism. And so unwinding it is going to require a little bit more effort than just breathing or making yourself feel grounded, you know. My invitation for you is to notice your trauma responses. Where do you see yourself fighting or flighting or fawning? or freezing. I know we haven't spoken much about the others because there is a lot to say on this subject. And I feel particularly passionate about fawning because I really feel that there is something about the way that women have often been socially conditioned to behave has made us feel that the fawn response is just us being nice, feminine, good women. And that's actually not true at all. We have so much power. We have so many of these beautiful archetypes of feminine leadership that we can take inspiration from that aren't all just beautiful, soft, sensual, surrendered. They're fierce they're warrioresses, they'll fuck you up. (laughs) So here's my suggestion. When you find yourself fawning at a time that you do not need to be fawning in, first of all, clock yourself. Be aware of it. Okay, I'm doing that thing again. Okay, so why am I feeling like I need to fawn? What is happening? I must feel in danger. What's happening in this scenario? Could it be that the person you're around makes you feel unsafe? Or is it the situation is reminding you of something from the past? Come into the present through coming back to your bodily sensations. Feel your breath. Make the breath slightly longer and deeper. Feel your body. Feel your feet on the ground. You're here. You're in your body. You're allowed to have boundaries. You're allowed to say no to things. You're allowed to be both 
soft and fierce. You're allowed to be complex, multifaceted. I asked the Moonbody community to let me know if they have any questions about fawning or whether they find themselves in the fawn response regularly. And thank you so much to all who answered. I received some very interesting feedback and responses. And what's really interesting is that the majority of the responses went into two categories. And the first category was something around, something similar to what is the difference between fawning and being compassionate, being kind. And, you know, my heart kind of, I just felt like this is such a woman's response to this question, you know, where we can't really even tell the difference between that instinctual nourishing tendency that many of us have and when it is placating people for survival, you know, and how these two things can get mixed up because they're very different, but I totally understand how they can get mixed up. And I think that many of us are mixing these things up. I certainly have been in the past. And from time to time, I find myself doing it now. To be agreeable, I must say, me being agreeable to people doesn't happen that often these days. I think there's something here to be said around shrinking. If I can kind of smile and, (laughs) you know, be sweet, then this interaction is going to be smooth and be easy and I'll be safe and everything will be okay. So there is a big difference between the fawn response and being kind and compassionate. And I think that if we are a little confused about the differentiation between the two things, it might be wise for us to look at and to remember that a fawn response is something we do as a response to a threat. Whereas kindness, compassion, we don't do these in response to threats. We do these because we're kind and compassionate and because these are good values for human beings to cultivate and to practice and, you know, to be, to be decent to other people in the world. We often will lead with kindness and compassion. So why has it been that we have conflated threat with this kind of appeasing behavior. Usually there will be um, something in childhood around this. And in general, I think as women, it speaks a lot to this idea that we need to be small and nice We are small, and I don't necessarily mean literally in size, but small as in we're not taking up too much space. We're not a threat. We're very nice. We're very good. Pick me. 
pick me, please. I'm good. I think there is quite a lot of this going on in these kinds of interactions. I like to look at the shadow of this as well. So where can we be more responsible? Where can we look at where we're responsible in this dynamic? If we are using the fawn response when we're safe and we're confusing it with being kind, there is something here that is inauthentic. So imagine you had a friend, you know, a good friend, somebody who you feel very comfortable and safe with. And this friend never felt like they could be fully themselves or fully honest with you in case they upset or offended you. We would often, most of us would consider this to be an issue. You know, there's something not quite right in this friendship. There's something inauthentic. We want our friends, our loved ones to be honest and to be real. We don't want to be lied to. We don't want to be placated. And yet this is kind of what we're doing if we are using the fawn response in these non-threatening situations. So I would ask, when did you last be truthful in an uncomfortable way with somebody you really love? When did you last have one of those conversations that is a little bit awkward a little bit difficult, but ultimately it leads to better intimacy and trust because there is honesty. Also, <laughs> as women, many of us will have had this situation where somebody, and let's be honest, it's always a man, will be walking along minding our business and a man will say, smile, <laughs> you know, you're just walking along. You're not, you're just neutral. You're just walking along looking neutral. But the idea is that you should be smiling and you should be being uh, appeasing and nice to everyone you meet. I mean, these ideas are less prominent now, but if you are like me in your mid thirties, you would have probably been told by men to smile in your life. How does it feel? not to be smiling unless you are naturally smiling. In this, there's this kind of, there's this keeping of your energy inside your body. There's this leaning back so that you don't need to be always preemptively, somatically responding to everything. But what I mean by that is to go through life not putting yourself in the position of objectification. So obviously, if you're happy, smile. But if you don't feel like smiling, you don't need to walk around smiling in case, in case somebody mistakes you for being grumpy. That would not be the end of the world. So little things like this can be really useful. Next time somebody starts talking to you, you know, a stranger that you and you don't want to talk, don't talk. Or say, I don't feel like talking, thanks. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to go around being a miserable bitch 24-7. You know, it can be lovely to talk to strangers, it can be lovely to smile, but sometimes we don't want to. So, so having this consistency and this honesty in our expression, they lay the foundations for being more aware of the fawn response. The second category of question 
fell into a description of some kind of dynamic. So whether it was a mother-daughter dynamic where the daughter is fawning to the mother or fawning to a partner, or there were also some responses about fawning during sex or faking orgasm as a kind of fawning. All of these very, very interesting or just generally uh, needing to be agreeable to somebody or to people. And again, I cannot help but think about this in terms of our our businesses and our work. Because, yeah, for sure, we can be like friendly and be kind and generous in our businesses. What about when people are, this is a good example, Sometimes people will want to uh, buy something from me that is not available. It's never been available. I've never offered it, but they just, they want it. And they ask me, I'd like this, can I have it? And my social media team will say, sorry, that isn't a product. It doesn't exist. We can't do that, you know, in a polite way. And... That before has had people, has made people angry. Being told, like, sorry, but no, we don't offer that service. And, you know, those could have been potential customers. If I had bent myself into a pretzel shape and stood on my head and done a backflip and made exactly what they wanted, I could have had more money, could have had more customers. That isn't any way to live and that isn't a sustainable way to have a business. And again, look around We don't need to be doing backflip cartwheel pretzels for our clients. We're already doing enough. Do what you say. Do exactly what you say you're going to do, and that is enough. You don't need to do anything more than that. That is being a leader. So going back to some of these responses I received from the community, if you are fawning to somebody where you do not need to fawn, there is something going on in that dynamic that could probably do with being brought into the fresh air a little bit. And, you know, it's hard to, I can't give a one size fits all suggestion because, you know, I don't know the history of these relationships. But if it's, you know, a very safe relationship, then having that slightly awkward conversation or adjusting so that you are no longer fawning is worth doing and shouldn't be that hard. If there is more, you know, something more heavy, more history going on in the dynamic, and it might be a longer, more arduous conversation, or it might be very, very difficult conversation to have, you know, that's something, something that can be a lot. That can be a lot, but it's worth doing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There is so much more I could say There are so many other things I want to say. I want to leave by inviting you to join me in Sister Wolf. If what I've shared in this episode speaks to you, if you are wanting to fine tune some of the energetics in the way that you do your work, if you want to get more in touch with your body and your voice and your truest, wildest, expression 
uh, in a nourishing pack of sisters inspiring, growing, creating, sharing together for three months, then please click the link in the show notes. If you have any questions, feel welcome to reach out to me. Sister Wolf begins on February 6th, and I really can't wait. Thanks for listening. <laughs>